Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I'm sorry, it is not Keith Harris's 1984 um, Christmas special, but you can find that on YouTube. And if you uh, listen to my other podcast that I do, which is CBeebies Go Home, we did a whole episode on that um, and why that... We don't know what Dippy is. I'm not going to say what we think he looks like on here because this is a family <laughs> podcast. Um <laughs> But um, yes, thank you very much for joining us. We're still waiting for Ian Hay. He's probably cooking his tea. We'll have to find out what he's eating. He's always cooking his tea. About this time. Yeah, I wonder what he is having for his tea tonight, actually. We're starting yeah, later as well. I purposely invited him to the... Because we've done a... I'll come on to invite... A, a, um, kind of, um, introduce our other guest in a moment. But yeah, we, I've, I've purposely only invited him to the later podcast that we're doing today so that he had time for his tea. So hopefully he'll turn up soon. Um, John's Ooh. with us. Hello, John. Are you okay? Hi. Yeah, no, I think I just might have noted the issue with the bold Ian Hay. You may want to double-check the message you sent the bold Ian Hay. Oh, did I tell him? Did I, have I told him it's later? Yeah, he told him it was 9.50. Oh, well, there we go. That's fine. So Ian will be joining us <laughs> later on uh, when we finish this podcast. So <laughs> that's uh, that's down I'll, to me. I'll, I'll sort I'll... that out. We'll sort that out as we go on. Um, also joining us this evening, um, we have um, Patreon <laughs> friend of the podcast, Alan McDonald. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Cammy. Um, we've we've got the reason. Well, obviously, we, we enjoy having Alan here as well. But the reason Alan's here is we've just finished recording a Patreon special on um, the the legal action being taken by players who are suffering from dementia, and the fact they 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 say the reason for that is down to um, the kind of con- the head knocks that they took while playing rugby and the way they were treated. And and Alan is a a consultant in 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 elderly medicine. Is that what I've got that? Uh, I say elderly medicine. That sounds. That's probably not putting that properly in words. Medicine for the elderly is a specialty. Um, yeah. So no, it's all good. Um, elderly medicine. Medicine sounds like you know some sort of out of date medicine. You know, like, you know, like, two leeches and they'll cut some blood out I, of you. You know, like you've got you've got, you've got some pills and pills in the back of the cupboard that are like fourteen years out of date, but you think. He's an elderly med. This could be interesting. Yeah. Um, Martin Bell, thank you, who's joined us in the comments, says, um, the idea this is going to finish at 9.50 flies in the face of all evidence. I'm digging in for right now. Well, Martin, uh, we do need to finish We do need to finish for 9.50 because after this we are recording our Christmas quiz for our patrons, so we do need to be finished in time. So I'm, I am determined to get this week's podcast done in under an hour. Because we've got we've got people. I brought my sleeping bag just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to join our Patreon, it's uh, you can join for as little as three pound a month or as much as five pound a month. Hello to Phil Lewis, who um, is our new one of our new five pound patrons. If you pay five pound a month, you get your name read out on the podcast. Um, Phil is one of our Twitch watchers. He's one of the young people. Um, so thank you very much to Phil for his support. So if you if you sign up this month, you get access to everything we've recorded so far. There, look, there's Phil saying hello. Hello, Phil. Um, <laughs> you'll get everything uh, that we've recorded so far for the Patreon, but you'll also get the chat we just done with Alan on uh, CTE and um, dementia, and also the Christmas quiz as well, which I'm going to upload. I'm going to upload the actual quiz so you can play along at home. How exciting is that? Ooh. What we are doing this evening, though, is because it is a Christmas special um, and it's been a, a horrendous year this year. 
Um, someone, someone wished me my big boss at work today. Wished me a Merry Christmas and a less eventful New Year, which I thought I might start using that. <laughs> um, what we thought we'd do because I, nobody wants to review the rugby from the weekend, um, and nope. we don't know whether there'll be any rugby between now and cr- Christmas anyway, because um, <laughs> Exeter have infected half the Glasgow squad with coronavirus. Um, Twenty people are self isolating. <laughs> We might and come in the state, it's back to the sort of infested blankets that the settlers gave the native tribes. They just, for once, you see, Exeter are finally kind of getting payback for indigenous peoples. They're on the right side of history right now. <laughs> just right now, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this has all been playing a long game. So what we thought we'd do tonight is we're going to do a review of the year, but we're doing a review of the year through the medium of Hands in the Ruck. And do you know what? Just for the hell of it, let's let's stick the jingle on. Yes, it's our 2020 hands in the ruck. So rather than celebrating the year, we're going to talk about how miserable we've all been and everything that's gone wrong with it in terms of rugby. Um, We've got a few from our patrons that we'll we'll get through. um, I'll get through this evening. Um, I'll start, Alan, you're our guest. What's been your your kind of hands in the, had its hands in your ruck all year this year? Well, Cammy, thanks. It's the... It's the dawning realisation that rugby is still based on a bed of solid gammon. (laughs) (laughs) You think it's getting better. You hang it, you speak to people that are uh, of the same sort of ideas yourself and then you take one foot inside your echo chamber onto Twitter and you suddenly realise that JB Beardmore is inexplicably popular. (laughs) I think I've, I feel like we're going to be touching on gammon throughout this evening. <laughs> this entire for a vegetarian, that's not something that I'm. I do very often touch on gammon. But... Might, might be a podcast title on this, surely. <laughs> touch a touch of gammon. A touch of gammon. It's the uh, that's the abandoned title for the David Jason uh, detective vehicle. <laughs> we'll try. Think, we'll try think, and throw think... a slice of pineapple on as we go, just to try and take away the saltiness of the gammon. John, you go. I was going to say, I think, I think, I think Alan's absolutely right. I think there has been. Um, I would say that the the gammonometer has been getting progressively more salty as the year has progressed um, to to almost um, almost gammon steak territory now. Is is there a, is there a scale we could go for here? Can we you know can, can we start to measure people in terms of their gammonness? Well, Tudor gammon crisps. Right, right yep. up to, through, to, through to gammon steak, yep. um, through to a, a sort of Nigella boiled in Coca-Cola and uh, coated in mustard and then... Nice, nice. That does sound... Where, yeah. where would Aldi's 14-pack of breaded ham sit on that scale? <laughs> Between think... the crisps and the steak. Yeah, the, <laughs> Aldi, Aldi, your Aldi breaded ham is definitely judging you for taking any... <laughs> I think yeah. I'll remember that next time I take a knee and out. 
being judged silently by the breaded ham. It, I mean, it is. I think it's it's the the, the obviously there's been a, a, a kind of wider um, discussion in society about all these different issues about you know racial equality, gender equality. Um, you know, we, we've had the the exit of debacle and of their their branding this year. We've had it's hard to remember all the things we've had really, but I, I think rug as you say, Alan, it's you know rugby doesn't exist in a vacuum of its own as as a sport it exists within society and i think it's not necessarily shown itself up particularly well and i think there's certainly been an element of fear i think from some of the authorities in how to tackle things that that we've seen it with the the lip service paid to black lives matters with throughout the nations and even the pro 14 where you get a you know, someone like Andrew Cotter, and, and I thought Andrew Cotter actually did a very good job. I'm not singling him out for criticism, but you get the commentator reading out a prepared statement from World Rugby about rugby does not tolerate racism, and then the players stand there for a minute, completely silent, also remembering everyone that's worked for the NHS and everyone that's died of COVID. At the same time, it's just we'll bundle all this stuff together and just get through it, rather than we're going to actually properly <laughs> mark that there's something significant here that we we need to mark. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, speaking as an NHS worker, I'd, I'd much rather Black Lives Matter was uh, um, was uh, marked than uh, uh, the thank you to the NHS. Not that I'm ungrateful, but it's. Uh, I think you've got to look at a scale of where, we're, apart from anything else, NHS workers are paid to be doing that job. Um, yeah, I'd rather have the pay than someone clapping for you. Well, I'm just—I've I've actually been trying to total up the claps that we got and uh, see if what I can cash them in for. You've got—I was going to say—you've got to be careful how you word that. You don't want to say that, that the patients have been giving you the clap, Alan, because that's—you know—that's that—that—that will actually cost you. The exchange rate on that is much lower. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to reply to that because uh, yes, that could get me into trouble with the GMC. Yeah. So let's not. <laughs> we'll move. We'll move. Swiftly. First time tonight. <laughs> I actually, the, the, I put something on. I mean, uh, people who uh, social media is not real life, obviously. But I, somebody kind of one uh, JB from the Egg Chasers had a bit of a rant at the fact because I've been critical of him in the past and said that I, I, I've been abusing him, which I haven't been. I've been critical of his position on on a number of things. Um, and one of his, I, I got a, when I said, look, I don't think I've been abusive. It's been I've been critical of some of his positions he's taken on things like. Um, you know the the Pacific, the Pacific Island issues, and a, an actual priest came back to me and told me I was preaching wokeness and that my virtue signalling wasn't um, wasn't particularly helping the argument. I, I didn't. I never thought I'd have to point out to a priest that Jesus Christ Himself was woken and His whole mo was vir- going around virtue signalling. Like Christianity <laughs> wouldn't have existed if Jesus Himself was not going out there virtue signalling. We had a we had a good to and fro. I think he accepted in the end that actually the entire of Christianity is built on virtue signaling. It's not a bad. I'm not. I'm saying to, I don't think it's a bad thing to be woke into virtue signal. I think that's probably what the church does a lot of. So yeah, that was a strange end to 2020. There's an argument about performative uh, virtue signaling, and that, but that we're speaking about that as well because that's what we're seeing the Black Lives Matter thing and the. What you were saying about you know the prepared statement being read out, etc., it's lip service being paid rather than 
um, rather, and that's performative virtue signaling, isn't it? You're just sort of saying, oh, look at us, we're doing this. And I think actually, and you've spoken about it a lot in the pod, just about you know trying to actually do something about it rather than just saying, look, this is bad. Yeah, and I think that's it. So that's that's you can then understand why people on the other side there would get annoyed that there's a minute silence for Black Lives Matters when there's, when there's not any follow up to say, and we're we're going out and we're reaching out to communities and trying to bring rugby into you know different communities and communities that haven't traditionally accessed rugby and we're you know donating money and we're taking a knee and we're reflecting on some of the stuff we've done in the past. There's none of that. It's just let's just get through it and eventually at some point we'll have to stop doing it and people will forget about it. I don't necessarily yeah. think that's going to happen. When when the, when when you when the overriding feeling that you get from any of these things is that it was a bunch of guys in suits in a boardroom coming up with it. That's when you know the message has been completely lost. Um it's it, it's really it, I think I think and we'll probably come on to this a lot. I think 2020 was the year that for me certainly this whole rugby values nonsense got absolutely and utterly destroyed. Yeah. Is that your hands in the rock then, John? Is this it's, one... it's not even. It's not. I've got more to be annoyed about this year, but <laughs> that's that's part of it. Um, I just thought that was a nice follow-on from 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 peak uh, peak gammon. Yeah. Um, I think it's broader than just the gammons being in charge this year. Yeah, I mean, one of the my hands in the rock had been the, the the trans player debate that we had. That was a big thing, and that causes a lot of issues on the blog with comments. And it came at a time we were talking about that at the same time as we were talking about the Exeter issues as well. And you know, we had to close down the blog comments for a while because we were having a lot of pushback on it from people that were trying to intellectualize anti-racism and saying, well, you, you can't, you, you cheapen the name of racism by accusing someone of racism. It's like, no, you don't. You, to be anti-racist, you actually have to actively go out there and tell, point out when people are being racist. Or saying something that is even if they themselves are not racist, they're saying something that's racist. Otherwise, you're just being just sat there quietly, not doing anything and not not actively involving in any engagement. So that was difficult. I think that the frustrating thing, looking back at the whole trans player issue, is that there is a difficult debate that needs to be had there. But the climate, the way that World Rugby handled it was was poor because they had this symposium or this conference or whatever they want to call it where they definitely invited people in or I think I wonder whether or not these people were the ones that kind of almost pushed the door down and invited themselves in and said you need to start talking about this and we've got some pre-prepared things we'd like to say people with a definite agenda and a proven agenda had come in and started to present this you know that women are at risk from trans women coming in playing the rugby as a sport and although there were you know, I, I understand there were trans women within the room. They weren't invited to put forward their own presentations. So that that's the first thing is the way that it was conducted. Then say, right, we're going to go away and review it and just then say it's a complete blanket ban. Not that we're going to look at it from a professional level and, you know, down in the community level, it's a case-by-case. Case. It's an absolute blanket ban. And then to go, you know, the heartening thing was that the RFU and the SRU and I think a number of other unions said, no, we're going to take it under review, but we're going to keep our current policy, which we think works, which is 
you know you have to lower your testosterone levels for a period of twelve months and be subject to regular medical review, which is a, you know that's an intrusive, that's an invasive thing to have to go through to play a sport in the first place. So I think it comes back to you saying, John, it doesn't smack of rugby values and rugby respect and rugby is a sport for all when you're saying to a, a marginalised section of the community, except for you, it's not for you. <laughs> and I'm not saying there isn't a debate to be had about you know player safety within that, but the you, the starting point within that has to be that you accept that trans women are women. And I'm not necessarily sure that everybody within the room where World Rugby were discussing it would hold that viewpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any more gammon we want to get out of the way before we kind of try and <laughs> move on? A little? Um, we're totally going for a dreadedly woke review, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we. Uh, what what was it we decided amongst ourselves that we uh, the collective of woke is wokies, wokies. Um, so we are a bunch of wokies. Um, is there is there more gammon? Who who is who is the gammon that Ian called out recently? He was. He was he was going after Pete Gammon. It was Gammon of the Year or something. He Pete, Pete Gammon. That's an unfortunate name. Or Pete Gammon? Did you say? Pete, uh, yeah, I mean, if his name was Pete Gammon, that would have been <laughs> that would have been good. Oh yeah, no, it was it was on the back of the concussion stuff. It was someone saying that they were just after a payday. Yeah, basically, yeah, and uh, um, so something along the lines of, oh, this is the the type of you know, it's all it's all illegal culture. Uh, we're in um, nowadays, and you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll um, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's move on, and we'll we'll talk about some actual rugby, and then we'll probably circle back to this at the end just to round off. Um, oh, we've yeah. got a couple from um our super secret P- Patreon social media channel. Um, the um. Everybody's talking about the exodus from Ember in Glasgow, basically. I think it's more a Glasgow exodus that everybody's very upset that Adam Hastings is gone, that it's not Mark Dodson that hasn't fancied a move to France or the Premiership. <laughs> I'd like to I'm going to have to give uh, credit to, uh, thanks to Hamish Allen for that comment. I did enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of my hands in the rock, John, I think, I'll, I'll start with you, John. Is that, I, I, bit frustrated, I think, in the last few weeks about people maybe not really fully appreciating the financial position that the SRU is in given coronavirus and I think Richard Cockrell was saying that you know the English clubs have got and French clubs have got a march on the SRU when it comes to contract negotiations and also they've got money to burn it seems yeah I mean I think I think Cockrell's been a wee bit cheeky there in suggesting that I, I think they have more money than than perhaps the SRU are able to put into both pro clubs. And I, I totally agree with you. I think um, what the coronavirus situation has done is it's really exacerbated some of the recruitment issues that both pro clubs have faced. Um, you know, you think think about Edinburgh with the, the John O'Lance um, visa issues um, that meant they, and they basically have Big Yako and a child at 10 um, and then Glasgow who haven't recruited a fullback in 14 years it seems um, you know I think I think the, the frustration over this end of the MA is particularly uh, vocal and it doesn't just stem from failure to recruit this season there has been a growing number of people who've maybe thought that the SRU are 
you know, Glasgow built an amazing team and that amazing team costs money. And there's there's no way you can possibly keep that amazing team together. Um, nobody's suggesting that Finn Russell should have stayed at Glasgow or Stuart Hogg should stay at Glasgow or Johnny Gray or whoever. What there is, is there has been a failure to replace adequately. And the recruitment that's come in has been poor, you know, um, and it, we're now at a point where, yeah, Hugh Jones is playing at fullback. That that's fine, you know, right? He says says he wants to and find things, but ultimately, would a, an experienced fullback have been signed? Probably, you know. Danny Wilson said as well they were looking at ten. Tens cost money. There's no money. We can't buy tens. We now we now have to essentially buy two tens in this, by next season. And he's also talking about Pete Horn not being a 10. Hallelujah, someone's realised it. So realistically, do we need three 10s or do we put our faith in youth and accept that the reason we got Stuart Hogg, the reason we got Finn Russell, the reason we got Alex Dunbar, Johnny Gray, Richie Gray, da 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 is that we had to put our faith in the, the academies and faith in youth players coming through. Uh, it's, it's just tough and it's almost like... Um, I think fans need to just calm down a wee bit and just understand that there's going to be there is going to be a couple of seasons of pain and hmm. you know, but there is a frustration that maybe that succession hasn't been done properly. Is there something though in that the SRU might see themselves, and this is an alternative point, if we give it a year or two, the SRU and the Scottish clubs might see themselves in a better position relative to the other Pro 14 teams. I mean, and the evidence of that would be Glasgow's cheeky as anything bid for Ben Healy from uh, from Munster, not Glasgow, Scotland's cheeky as anything bid. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the whole, for me, I think that... I suspect that's going to be the direction the SRU take in the next couple of seasons. I don't think it's going to be popular with Edinburgh and Glasgow fans, but I think it's necessary is that Edinburgh and Glasgow will be development sides for a couple of seasons while they bring through young players, while they restock. And you let your better players, your Adam Hastings, your, even your Duhan van der Merwes, and I know it doesn't look great because he's only just, you know, he's only just got capped, but you know, he any player, a, a Scottish player, a Scottish-born and bred player who, you know, pees tartan paint and you know has <laughs> Scotch porridge oats for breakfast. You know, it would would be a attra- who played like that would be attracting interest from down south. It's not just, you know. So, I, I do wonder whether you let your players go, your big earning players go, and let someone else pay their wages, because you're still going to get them back in the international window. You then just Edinburgh and Glasgow. You free up space for some younger players to come through. I think Danny Wilson's maybe got a point that you need to find a way to bring in more experienced players. And I think you're probably looking at Australia and New Zealand because the players are cheap if they've not been capped. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely fair. And the the issue maybe then for both pro clubs is how do you recruit? Um, Right, we're not going to get 24-year-old Sean Maitland coming over to Glasgow. We're not going to get, you know, there's not a uh, a stockpile of international class um, All Blacks that have had one cap and who've just been patched. We're not going to get that quality of player. We really need to be, you know, 
looking at guys who the, the term rugby risk is used a lot and we've taken a lot of rugby risks that haven't paid off recently and we've barely signed an all black who's been a good one. Let's let you know Glasgow have got a history of signing rubbish former all blacks. So maybe actually maybe Australia's the way to go. Although Nick Frisby would maybe put me slightly off that idea. I think that's how you've decided that South African with Scottish grandparents is the way to go. Or yeah, or I mean even just yeah, South I mean I'm I'm okay with South African with um a three three year one day contract, um, as long as residency stays the way it is, maybe if not five year one day and then patch them off to Worcester. <laughs> I think yeah, I mean there's, there's I think the issue in South Africa is that there is a there's the racial um I can't the like a, there's the quota that's the, it they've got quotas yeah. so yep. you're only got I mean aside from the fact that you've got um you you have got ancestral links there anyway as you have with New Zealand and Australia so that you know you're going to find someone with a Scottish granddad if you if you look hard enough on South South Africa yep. that the there is definitely an exodus of and it's interesting, particularly white South African players coming over to Europe to play because of that issue. And I'm not, I don't think there's anything wrong with that policy at all. I'm not critical of it, but I think that's potentially what, aside from the fact there's more money, there's also that issue that South African teams have to overcome. Yeah, the, the quotas are, are, they are quite problematic and people do talk about, you know, younger players in particular talk about moving abroad to not be part of that uh, and not have to, you know, you can understand there's a frustration that if you're being overlooked because the country's having, has, has put in rules that mean, you know, it would be difficult for you to get a game then you can understand trying your luck elsewhere but let's I think not it's forget I was going to say, but let's not forget those rules are in place to overturn systemic racism that was oh, in no, place abs- for a, abs- no I'm not abs- it, but it's um yeah and, and I think and I'm not saying not- I'm not saying all white South African players that move to Europe are racist nope. let's move on <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it'll be interesting as well to see what impact and I don't. I don't want to get too political here, but what impact uh, Brexit will have? And I think Scottish mm. clubs are actually probably quite well positioned in that. So we were trying to work out recently if Glasgow had had a French player sign for them at any point in their history, um, and we're thinking a lot about European players in particular playing at the the, the kind of. We've had Italians, no, obviously. a couple of Italians. We've had, we've had, we've had, we've had Favaro and we've had uh, Leonardo Sarto, um, who were both really sh- interesting signings because they were both national team players at the time. So it wasn't mm. like, you know, you sign non-Scots qualified players to get the benefit of them during the Six Nations, during the international windows. But both of them were available for Italy. So it seemed like just strange signings. I'm guess, so, my oh, guess would be that and I'll, 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 I'll throw this to you, that you, for a French player particularly, you're probably going to get the same money in the D2 as the SRU is going to come and play be a squad player. Probably even more in the D2, French D2, I would imagine. Well, yeah, because we've got, I mean, what, what, was it Alistair Strokosh and uh, Johnny Beattie spent like a fair whack at the end of their careers in the French D2. And I get that their families loved it over in France, etc. But um, 
that'll be because they were getting more than they would have got at Glasgow, I would have thought, or at Edinburgh. Yeah. Did you happen to see John Beatty's uh, line on the French national anthem during the World Cup draw? No, no. So, so they done this really, really cringy thing where at the end, like towards the end of the show, uh, they started singing La Marseille, and uh, off they went. And each they they cut to loads of different rugby players and former rugby players who were singing a line of La Marseille. And there's some some interesting interpretations of the anthem, that's for sure. Uh, Scotland were represented by the bold laid law himself, Greg, uh, who sang a beautiful line. We know Greg has pipes, so um, he sang a beautiful line. And obviously, he'd spent time in Claremont, so it made sense. Uh, and then John John Beatty got a, got a line as well, and um, he was standing in front of I don't I don't even know where he was. It was very sunny. Um, it looked lovely, and he had this like monotonous, horrendous line of, of vocal. It was it was dread. Kelly Brown, he is not. <laughs> so that's John Beatty, Johnny Beatty Junior, is it? That is JB Junior. Yep. The um that whole ceremony. That's my. That's another hands in the ruck. That ceremony did not need to take as long as it took. For anyone that watched the World Cup draw 2023 took place this week and they they brought out who I can only assume is a procession of famous French people who were the cheapest to get on Cameo because I'd never heard of... They said, here's France's most famous French... Fr- France's most famous chef. And I'm thinking, oh, my, Michelle Larue or you know someone famous I've known and it's just blah, 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 blah. blah. It's like, all right. Never heard of him before. I love that the girl kept the girl. Sorry, I I love that the presenter kept reminding them all that it was a Frenglish uh, ceremony and that they could choose either language. And of course, in pure French uh, style, they were like, "In France, I speak French." I think it was a <laughs> wonderful moment. They brought out Sh- Sebastian Chabal came Sebastian out Chabal, yeah, yeah. with Bernard Laporte, who I assume I, I think it was Lee from Blood and Mud pointed out was probably that Chabal's is bail bondsman. Yeah, with Bernard Laporte, for those that don't know who's who's up on corruption charges at the moment in France. But the um, she said to she was explaining that to Sebastian Chaval, and she went, "I will speak French." <laughs> I was like, not going to argue with that. Begs, beautiful Sebastian. Yeah. What a, what a lad. So yes, I mean, I think that was somebody I can't remember who. Somebody did send me a hands in the ruck. Said their hands in the ruck was the fact that we've got Ireland again in the group. Yeah, I mean, with the limited number of teams, we are going to get repetition. Um, like, we had South Africa a couple of times as well previously. So, you know, it does happen. We just don't We don't seem to ever get an easy group, though. That frustrates me. I mean, you look at... But we could, it could be worse. We could be Fiji and seeing Wales and Australia again. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, Wales and Australia would be like, OK, that's two sides we should be targeting beating. Instead, we're up against Ireland, who are apparently like designed to cause aneurysms in Scottish fans, and South Africa, who are just going to absolutely bludgeon us, um, assuming we haven't stolen all their players by that point. Well, well, that's it. it would just be like the, their A team versus the B team. Yeah, exactly. We, we, yeah, it'd just be a training match. Um, <laughs> that would be a, a mockery of world rugby. Yeah, we need it. We need a four try bonus point here. You just watch. Oh, how good would that be? Just watching two hand dancing through his his erstwhile country mates—that would be just amazing. Yeah. Um, and what 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 else has had its hands in your ruck this year? 
I'm. I've. I kept my hair laid negative. My apologies. That's, good, but no, that's fine. That's what we. That's that's what we hear. It's 2020. It's fine. People moaning about there being no rugby, and then there being rugby, and then people moaning about the big <laughs> Amazon Prime, and then about it not being very good. <laughs> Yeah, I've never felt more like an angry pair at the front of the car. But I've got you an ice cream. What you want? I wanted a flake as well, and I didn't want. I wanted it to be free, and I didn't want to cost it five ninety nine and get free delivery on. Yeah, stuff as well. Premier Sport annual, you get all your Christmas presents delivered the next day. What's not to, well? Other than funding Jeff Bezos, what's not to like? Yeah. Uh, we've had a oh. comment. Ryan, Ryan Cabane actually is watching. Hello, Ryan, has said, um, so, Happy New Year to you too, Ryan. He says, um, hopefully brings this year will bring fans and a bigger revenue stream off the back of a fairly successful, if slightly biased, Amazon Prime venture into the sport. <laughs> I, I, I thought overall the coverage was good. I like the. I think the package was good as well. The fact, I mean, aside from the fact that it was a bit, it was a bit spoilery the way that when you went into it the day after and it it said, "Here's the match," and then here's each try that was scored in the match, and you could work out the score and see who scored first. But if you, I worked out in the end, if you just covered that with your hand, you had to cover the telly with your arms <laughs> at a certain place, and you could what you you could you could skip that. But but I mean, the coverage the coverage was good. The the interesting thing I think going into 2021 because apparently BT of uh, Premiership Rugby have t- knocked back BT bidding 30 million for their rights is what happens with CVC now because the one of the kind of I don't know, it's a conspiracy theory or the rumour that were going around is they were going to try and bundle up all of rugby from the Six Nations to, Premier, to Premiership yep. to the European Cup to Pro 14, you bundle it all up and you sell it to one person. And then if you want to watch rugby, you sign up to Sky or you sign up to Amazon or you sign up to Premier Sports when they find some money in the back of the sofa. But And you can watch... I, I mean, that rather than having to sign up for Sky and BT and Amazon to watch the five different tournaments that are in the world, that you could just watch rugby for five ninety nine or seven ninety nine on Amazon. I mean, I'd... I'd do that, Alan. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? But you have to ch- choose where your subscription's going. I, I, I mean, I've got an Amazon subscription because I hate going to shops. <laughs> so I want something, I order it, comes the next day, they leave it in my shed. I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> how many listeners have you got in Inverness? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, but... I'd, if I was getting anything, it would be it would be Premier Sports because I'd you know Pro Fourteen, but actually Amazon Amazon would be great. It would be fantastic for me, and I, I, I certainly I mean I use it for its other functionality. The video was a bolt on for me. Yeah, I mean, John, Pro Four. We've got to face facts. The Pro Fourteen is not an easy sell to a broadcaster because you know the with the way that things they limit players, and you've got you know forty minutes. You know, you get forty minutes from an international for for a bit, and then off yeah. they go. And you know, I think it was the fact that what's um, Alan Wynne Jones had never played at Murrayfield for the Ospreys. Yeah, yeah, since two thousand and one yeah. or something. He had hair the last time he played. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he, he was he was talented last time he played. Oh, oh. he went. Uh, 
Squid will hunt you down for that. I have I have beef with Alwyn. I have beef with with the old man himself. I had beef about three years ago when I said he was over the hill, and uh, three years later I'm still saying it. It's all good. Yeah, ten letters. I don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it would be, I think it would be a really really tough sell, and I think part of the the concept of expansion again to you know pro 16 26 142 or whatever we're going to get um is is designed to kind of mitigate that and try and encourage um the stars to play a wee bit more but ultimately when you've got union owned clubs who have control over players you are going to have some degree of player management systems be that oh look johnny sexbot is injured he can't play tonight oh look he's recovered miraculously for the ireland game that's yeah. that's that's interesting it must have been that magic sponge um you know it's it's always going to happen and i think uh, anyone who's watched the pro 14 this year aside from premier sports coverage being utterly rubbish would probably suggest that the actual quality of play and i'm not just saying this because glasgow have been pretty honking the actual quality of the fair on offer has been poor it's been poor rugby this year and that's not what the pro 14 is normally about if you don't want to sign up for premier sports you can send your subscription elsewhere i should say and this was this was somebody else's hands in the rock and i want to thank ian mckay for this although somebody did bring this to my attention um you can subscribe to james haskell's um only fans account where he's selling adult content With him he and his wife. Not. He is, yeah. He has uh, <gasps> James Haskell and Chloe Maidley. And you may recognise that surname because she is the daughter of Richard and Judy. Uh, have set up their own um, OnlyFans account. Now, for those that don't know, OnlyFans is a... How to explain this on a family podcast? It's, it's, it's a way in which people can get money for being naked and doing naked things on the internet and people will pay them to do that it is mostly that let's 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 be very accurate here it careful is... john your wife watches this you don't want it to look like you know so, more about only fans i'll be uh... absolutely honest with you i knew nothing about only fans till and i hope my, my wife has been dipping into the podcast she sent me a bunch of ham puns actually that i'll try and get in later on but <laughs> nice. um, i know right um but I was not aware of OnlyFans until about a month ago, and my wife told me about it and explained what it was. And she she actually explained it under the con the concept of it's one of these places where you can um, get give content. It's kind of similar to Patreon, actually. Yeah. And then I was like, but it's not. <laughs> it's not used for that. I mean, technically, we could if people wanted to pay us more, we could offer it. I'm not going to. I'm not. <laughs> Is that you crossover with your Manscaped sponsor? Well, well, there we go. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that didn't go. That that hasn't gone particularly well. But there you go. So yes. Um, so- I, I think if there's a market out there for it, I think the fans, the fans drive us. We 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 don't just do this for for ourselves. We we want we want your interaction. So if if this is what the fans want, they need to tell us. Yeah. Get those five pound subscriptions in. Phil Lewis has pointed that is a big no no on Twitch, so yes. Well, that's debatable given some of the people that were on 
Twitch. <laughs> try to try to contact us. Yes, we've had lots of the Russian sex bots do love love the uh, comment section on Twitch. Followed every one of them on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's. I mean, it's been that's been a good run through twenty twenty. I think we've covered we've covered pretty much the main talking points: the lack of rugby, and the fact that people moaned about the rugby when it was on. We've covered gammons sufficiently. We've, you know, I think it's been a good run through twenty twenty. We've we've come in just over forty minutes. We could have gone on for longer. We won't. Do you, I do think you want John some... Woods to start us off with the ham puns? Some, some gammon puns. Go for some gammon puns right, to so, see us off. So, so next time we get beaten uh, by Ireland. Uh, we can use the we got hammered. Um, we could then say even Ham Soul couldn't have saved the day. Uh, this one's for Adam Hastings leaving. We could how how ham I supposed to live without you? Um, and and that's that's what I've got. So there you go. This is what you this is what you guys come along for. This is um, the top water chat. Yeah. Come for the rugby, stay for the ham puns. That's it. Yeah. I I was going to have one last run about something rubbish in rugby and it needs to die with fire next Go on year. Now. I'll allow it. And that is the Caterpillar box kick wars. Oh. It has it has been like since we've come back, I don't know if it's like absence has made the heart grow, I don't know, like dark and soulless, but it has we've come back and it's like everyone wants to everyone I now We've talked a lot about kicking in this pod, and we are not adverse to kicking. We like kicking. Kicking is good. Box kicking, bad. We don't like box kicking. And those caterpillars, I would happily suggest that every single person who's in front of the scrum half, if there is more than one, they are all offside and they should all be sinbinned. I think that's fair enough. Um, with great space on the park, which will reduce concussions and make more exciting rugby. Well Managing done, you the fixed, space, you fixed rugby. Um, Brilliant. We've got a last hand pun for Daft Prince's <laughs> Hams in the Ruck. There's, there's the title of the podcast. There we Hams go. Hams in the Ruck. Fantastic. What Has a great Daft note Prince to end on. Has he not got the, the the title before? Was was it? Was it I think Daft he may have. I think he may have. Um, I think he may have done. I think he may have claimed your, that. So thank you once again, Daft Craigie. Strong, sir. Hams and the Rock is the title of this week's episode. Thank you very much, Alan, for joining us. We'll hopefully have you on again soon. Um, like I said, patrons, we, we're off to record a quiz. Johnny McGinty is waiting for us patiently in the uh, green room. Um, so we're going to go and go and speak to Johnny. Uh, Ian, who I've given the wrong time to, is shepherding his wife out of the room so we can get on with our Christmas quiz. So um, we're looking forward to that. Um, but for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Alan. Night, folks. Night.